0: Are you tired of driving your kids to Gigi Allen's grave only to be unable to find the grave because some dick stole the headstone? Well, there is a solution. The Find Gigi Allen's Grave app for Android will give you door to grave directions. The Find Gigi Allen's Grave app uses advanced GPS protocols to guide you with voices to the exact patch of dust and grass where Gigi took his final dirt nap. Bring the kids. Do some needle drops at the Gigiest place on earth. Gigi always had a huge underground following, but it's even bigger now that he's literally underground. So it's no surprise that lots of folks today take a pilgrimage to Gigi's grave. But getting there wasn't easy, until this app. Forget Graceland, forget the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, those are plastic places for old people with jobs. Hell, even CBGB's is gone, and that former hollowed ground is now a yuppie coffee bar. The real rock and roll mecca is an unmarked patch of grass in Littleton, New Hampshire. And our free app will show you how to get there. Get the Find Gigi Allen's Grave app today. Even if you're not planning to go there soon, the app is fun. The Find Gigi Allen's Grave app is covered by the Bipcot No Government License. And it's from the good people at Beast Lick Internet Policy Commission Outreach Team. Who also brought you Fiend Phone, the Freedom Fiends Radio app, Bipcot, Bit, and of course, Truth, Justice, American Way. The Find Gigi Allen's Grave app is free. Get it today on the Google Play Store or on Amazon. Your family will thank you. And don't forget to rate and review. Worms eating Gigi Allen's face.
1: It's our word. Brought to you by Bipcot and Fiendfo. Oh, that's great to on this weekend. And, uh, yeah, so we're also brought to you by um, Freedom Bed and Breakfast, which is Ben Stone's new um, project, along with Jim Davidson, where they're setting up a bed and breakfast app for uh, libertarians and freedom lovers, uh, all the like. And uh, and right now they're doing an Indiegogo campaign to raise money to help build the app. Uh, sounds like a really interesting project. I can't wait to see what happens. You can learn more at hobosymbols.com, which is an odd name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or you can go directly to the Indiegogo campaign because I set up like a subdomain. It's uh, freedombed.lulberts.com. And I am here with Jim Babb. Uh, the, the one person that everybody goes, "I want to hear more bab, and then when I put up polls, nobody votes for you. It just it does it, it's beyond me, but you're the only person people insist I have on you and Matt actually. all right so i don't know all right. well weird.
2: i'm glad i have I, I'm glad I have some uh, a loyal faction out there
1: yeah, you have a loyal faction of people who are dedicated to not voting, even when it comes to non government voting systems. <laughs>
2: That's – see, that's that's just shows how effective I have been. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you instant messaged me and you said we should talk about two different things tonight. You said, one, we should talk about the fascist infiltration into the liberty movement and we should also talk about – Let's just start with there. Let's well, just start with that. Hold on. And then the other thing you wanted to talk about was the peop- libertarians um, – deviating from their ideals uh, and drinking Budweiser by drinking Budweiser. And I'm like, isn't that the same topic? (laughs) I think it is. Yes, it is. Okay. So what do you think that's been going on with all this stuff? I know Richard Spencer has been really trying to get more libertarians to kind of come out of that whole movement and get more into the alternative right kind of sphere, the – ethno-nationalist uh, movement, paleo um, paleo paleo-anarcho-capitalism, all that stuff. What say you? Uh, well,
2: it's you – know, there's so many questions in there. But I thought maybe to, to sort of frame this, I'd, I have a quote from, from Jeffrey Tucker, and I, and I think it sort of highlights some of the problems that we're having. He says, as for those fixed principles, sometimes we are wrong. Then we adjust and find new ones. Mm-hmm. And he says, It took me a few minutes to adapt. I could feel what was happening. My whole new sense of how the world works was falling apart. I had been wrong, desperately wrong, fundamentally wrong, for as long as I can remember. Now, at first I thought, you know, what he's, he's describing like Stefan Molyneux becoming a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was him becoming a bud drinker. So, but I think it is a. <laughs> I think there's a sort of a parable in in this story about him becoming a bud drinker that, that maybe could be applied on a, on a to a broader
1: topic. Um, is, is he talking about l- Bud or Bud Light? Because I mean, they're all, they're both terrible, but I mean, I think one is objectively way worse than the other.
2: Well, uh, I believe he was talking about Bud. Budweiser, I guess just regular Budweiser, or isn't it just called America now? Did they
1: change (laughs) that? I think they changed
2: it back. Oh, they changed it back? Yeah. America got
1: mad. (laughs) You know what? Like back in the day, Budweiser used to be an all malt beer, and then they started using adjuncts because it was cheaper. And I've been always saying we should try to get Budweiser to go back to their old formula and make it good again. So when they had their, their uh, when they had their campaign to make it America, I was really pressing everybody to remember that we should really press anheuser Bush to make America great again.
2: Yeah, I you know, I, or happen. just skip it. No, <laughs> yeah. I, neither one is really going to happen. And I don't really think that Budweiser was ever probably great. Um, anyway, but this uh, article was, we're bet, referencing, I bet in comparison was, it is
1: great <laughs> to what it is now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyway, the article we're talking about is "I'll Never Sneer at Budweiser Again" by Jeffrey Tucker, and <sighs> you know this came at a time when we've seen so many libertarians lose their way, right? I mean, you know, years ago it was Molyneux jumped on the Trump train and uh, Walter Block, and and you know, so many we've lost some some pretty heavy libertarians along the way as they've reconsidered their principles mm-hmm. and <laughs> decided they were previously wrong and and embraced. Um, something that had been previously considered offensive Mm -hmm. so uh i don't know is that is that a is that a problem in libertarian circles because i'm seeing i've been seeing some weird kind of some weird people show up in uh libertarian conferences lately and i have not i just wonder is this
1: have you been around well um since so I on. just been
2: hearing some of these stories. The one was the 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 one that got a lot of press was that guy uh, David Spencer, or Richard Spencer, who crashed the Richard, uh, Richard Spencer. Spencer. Sorry, yeah. sorry, David Spencer, whoever you are, <laughs> Richard Spencer. He sh- he crashed the International Students for Liberty conference. Is that um, and was asked to leave uh, appropriately. I thought you know that was the right response. If you're having a liberty conference, why would you want to have you know an, a, someone with an extreme authoritarian View be there. Um, but anyway, so he showed up, tried to cause a ruckus, and uh, was asked to leave. But then, you know, then I see um, a clip from Anarchapulco. Okay, I've been seeing all these great, you know, stuff coming out of Anarchapulco. And uh, and then here's this woman, um, Lauren Southern. La- Laura I, Southern. I, this is going. I think is her name. <laughs> yeah, okay. Southern. And she's doing a speech on
1: nationalism mm-hmm. at Anarchapulco. Yep. And and I'm like, what? What is going on? Here? <laughs> and it takes Lauren Southern uh, to do a speech about nationalism for Adam Kokesh to be the voice of reason. <laughs> <I'm>
0: just,
1: yeah. <laughs> What's?
2: <laughs> it was creepy. You know, yeah. it was the, it was the creepy. It was a creepy level that would send Adam Kokesh to the parking lot. You know, <laughs> just, just. <laughs> just so revolting and distasteful uh, just and I just but I couldn't figure out what it was doing at an at an Arcapulco. and I thought well you know it's a fluke you know w- why not then I, I see an announcement really from Jeff Berwick that he's
1: for an invite for a that, well
2: now yeah. he's did you see he's uh, Jeff Berwick uh, uh, was making comments about a possible tour coming up where he's going to tour with a few of these speakers including the nationalist
1: wow. and I <laughs> I I don't get it. C- can you explain it to me? I don't well, see there's a lot of kind of I mean, Lauren Southern has a huge fan base, even within libertarians, even within libertarians who don't agree with her nationalist views. Um I I see some value in it. I do. Uh so a lot of, well, same with a lot of the other Maybe you could break
2: it down for me. Is it is it the philosophy that says, well, I'm so scared of government that I need to have a government. Yeah. Well, or sh- okay.
1: On most other things, she's fairly libertarian. There's a few things where she kind of gets into the conservative sphere, kind of into the nationalist sphere as well. But for for the most part, they're very libertarian. So I could see why if you're going to have a libertarian conference, you might want to bring her on. But when you're specifically, specifically targeting anti-state libertarians, she's probably not the right demographic to do a speech. Maybe to show up, maybe to field questions or maybe to be with someone else. But I, I don't think that she would be like a great keynote speaker. It's kind of like having David Sununu uh, speak at the Liberty Forum. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like that. Did they do that? They, uh, they probably it did was, that. that. It was I don't like know. one of the earlier ones, yeah. <laughs> one of the earlier ones when they first kind of were getting started. But yeah, like, well, so, I, I see okay, some value okay, in that. Okay, so it, she's but,
2: libertarian, yeah. libertarian, Ish. but pro state. Is that, is that yeah. I don't know. Yeah,
1: she's okay. she's a like she's a conservatarian, kind of probably a little bit more nationalist than someone like Stephen Crowder or uh, way more than uh, not as much as Gavin McGinnis. Gavin McGinnis was is really kind of national nationalisty, but um, yeah, I mean, look, she she even described herself as a libertarian a few times. So, mm. um, oh, who was that guy on
2: Facebook that that came out and said that he's a an anarchist nationalist. Oh, I forget his name. You, you know, I,
1: I, I this but guy. I thing. forget he was it's like even
2: got a Wikipedia. He was like all <laughs> he's been all over Facebook, whatever, <laughs> and and
1: like what? <laughs> well see theres There is there there is. I can, I can understand where they're coming from. But that if they're gonna have a big community. And they can use private property rights to exclude people they don't want from their private property. I understand. I understand there's going to be, like, communities and all different kinds of stuff. Well, they stuff. say
2: that nation, it doesn't mean state. Okay? Yeah. They, they, they think that's a big differentiation. Like, when we're putting our nation together, it's going to be based on race, not politics. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh. in that case, uh, I let me applaud you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> Such... Such collectivist nonsense. Yeah. It's like you know, I I hate statism, maybe because it's collectivist. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, that, and there's maybe other forms of collectivism that are that are just as as idiotic. And uh, you know, the the ethno nationalists, I, I I just I just can't stand them. I I can't even I can't even fathom why these people are tolerated, especially in libertarian circles. And but yet. We we see I I guess I don't know are there that many of them or is it just that every once in a while one shows up and they and they're so loud that they seem to be having more influence than they are.
1: So way back when, like back when Tassos and I were making YouTube videos, there was a guy named uh, you probably may be familiar with some of his videos. Like uh, but his name was Fringe Elements, and there was also a couple other people like Observer uh, or Over Overbrain. And what they – they used to kind of talk about this stuff way back when, even when they were libertarians. Um, And he – specifically, um, fringe elements kind of ended up turning into a fascist and he used that term unabashedly (laughs) like later on. And – Everybody was kind of like, what the hell happened? Like, we did not see this coming. It's like, you really didn't see that coming. Like, he he stopped talking about libertarianism, like, six months ago and just completely started going on this rampage against other YouTubers criticizing his race realism stuff. Of course this was going to happen. I mean, of course that you saw this coming down the pike. And, um, and me and Matt were talking about this for a long time. Now, they are kind of a, like a very fringe minority, like fr- very fringe. But when you have the media who's looking for – an explanation about why someone like someone such a horrible candidate as Trump could possibly be winning. They had to pick a, uh, a whipping boy, and the whipping boy they chose was the alt right. And they gave them a platform, and now that they have a platform. They're starting to get, sure. get a little bit of momentum, but really they're still on the fringes. They're really, I don't, I don't think I've ever ran into one in real life. <laughs> I mean, like I've run into libertarians, but not into, uh, not into alt righties. But, you know,
2: well, do, if, they, do they announce themselves? I mean, are you expecting to see uh, Pepe the Frog lapel pins? Or, I mean, wh- how would you notice that alt right person in line behind you at the supermarket?
1: I'm, <laughs> well, I mean, I've met people in the in They some, flash
2: a gang sign. What, I mean, what is it?
1: Well, you know, they, they inter- you know when you talk to people, I, I talk to people in libertarian circles, I have not met these alt right people. Um, at least not in real life. I I met Trump supporters, but they would not say. Oh, they would say, "Oh no, we're not alt right." But that's about it. Like I don't run into these people. They they're not they're not really. Well, I guess
2: the term popular. is vague enough now that are are there? Who is calling themselves alt right now? It's kind of a. It's kind of a a, a tarnished phrase now. Yeah. Is anybody calling themselves that anymore? I don't think even like Breitbart people are or whatever. Yeah, the so.
1: Breitbarts, Milo, even Lauren Southern used to call herself alt-right, and then everybody started correcting her like, no, alt-right means ethno-nationalists. That's what that term means. That's why Richard Spencer devised this term. He wanted to separate himself from the rest of the right. And and so people were like, oh, okay, well, I'm just not going to use that term anymore. Breitbart started, stopped using it, all these other kind of – people stop using it but the people who are really in the bag for ethno-nationalism they don't care they're like of course i'm an ethno-nationalist why would i steer from that term <laughs> so yeah they're, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll gladly admit it but yeah, the pepe lip but, opens that's a thing amazon sells them
2: how does how do they end up <laughs> mixing i'm still confused about how they end up getting mixed up with with anarchists and that guy i trying to remember that guy's name from facebook who, who announced boldly that he's a uh anarchist nationalist. And I just really couldn't even figure, okay, so he, but he's this this trying to merge these two together, it it just makes no sense. So I'm kind of perplexed by it. But I've also seen it uh, locally here in Pennsylvania. They're having a a liberty conference affiliated with the Libertarian Party in Harrisburg on April 1st. So one of the featured speakers, however, it's mostly you know like libertarian party people and and guys like that. But one of the speakers is the famous uh, goat blood drinking um, performance artist yeah. <laughs> a eugenicist uh, from Florida, who is one of the featured speakers, mm-hmm. an a actual eugenicist, and. My friend Steve is, is actually the one that hired him, Steve Sheets. I'm like, when I, I was like, he made some comment about him being invited and he was coming to this, and I private messaged him, I'm like, What? Are you serious? Is he really coming? He goes, Yeah, yeah. I said, You know, I said, but he's a, he's a eugenicist. He's like, Oh, no, he's not. I'm like, Dude. Yeah, he, he just came <laughs> out with a
1: video not too long ago describing himself as uh, neo reactionary. I'm like, I thought that term was kind of discarded now that the alt right's a thing. I wonder what they're going to call themselves next. But <laughs> what is it, What it? What could it? What is a neo reactionary? So I, I guess I don't.
0: I,
2: I don't know what that would be. Yeah,
1: this sort of came out of the whole Menchus uh blog. Who was a software developer? He still is a software developer. He didn't die, but he's a software developer who was running this blog under under the pseudonym uh, Menschus Molebug. I can't remember his real name for the life of me. But he uh, he ran a blog and he was basically kind of preaching these kind of fascist ideals. Uh, and all the stuff that comes with the ethno-nationalism, like actual fascism, not like economic fascism, need a dictator or a monarch, uh, all that stuff. Uh, And and he called it kind of like uh, the dark enlightenment. And so people started calling themselves neo-reactionary or dark enlightenment. Um, And that's what originally kind of sparred the whole alt-right thing, and then it kind of moved into libertarianism and other fields, and that whole umbrella is what it's called the alt-right, the ethno-nationalist groups which there are many there's not just even nazis or proper proper nazis are in it as well you know swastikas and everything uh, so there's a broad range you you pick your economic flavor and there's an alt-right there's an alt-right group for you somewhere <laughs> but hmm. so the guy's name is chase rachel that's the one you were talking about the one that came out as an uh, anarcho-nationalist oh, okay yeah
2: yeah, yeah he's the anarcho-nationalist um okay so is 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 he an ethno nationalist, or what does it mean? Or what, that people they they create this nation, but like, no,
1: it's not a, it's not the state. It's a nation of what? Uh, racially homogeneous nation. So like, someone someone was telling me he knew this Chase guy, and he seemed like he was a good person, but he's just really bad with psychology, sociology, and might be an actual sociopath. But he's, but he's, but he's a really nice guy. Okay, uh, <laughs> but um. <laughs> But the ethno-nationalists, they're trying to distinguish themselves from like the white nationalist or white supremacist kind of label, Uh, but it's pretty much the same thing, except they want uh, like a peaceful exclusion from races. But the problem is when you you talk about like peaceful – so there's this book called um, uh, Seeing Like a State, and it kind of talks about like these high modernist societies, you know, the technocrats and, you know, the extreme communists who try to come in and reorganize society in their vision and it always fails and it always turns into authoritarianism even, even if they exp- explain like, oh, no, we're not going to be authoritarian. We're going to do this all voluntarily. Uh, it always turns into that because when you have like, like this, this system where – like let's say they need steel or iron ore uh, and the guy owns an iron ore and he's the only place they can get iron ore. And he goes, no, I'm not going to give up my stuff so you can live in your little communist utopia. Kick rocks. They have two choices. They can be like, oh, well, that's it. We tried. <laughs> Let's move along and go back mm. to the old system. Or they can say, this guy is an enemy to humanity. He wants us all to die in, in poverty. Uh, we're going to go take his stuff. And that's the kind of what that happens. And that's, that will end up happening as well with ethno-nationalism because – they're going to say, "Okay, this black guy doesn't want to voluntarily give up his house and leave his, you know, the area that he knows so well." Uh, so we're going to have to physically remove them, and they already have the mechanization right, build, to deny them, or put up the them. walls, yeah,
2: or, or build build walls and and shoot people that want to come into a different zone, uh, even if they're invited. Um, so I can see where you know the philosophy obviously is it's an authoritarian philosophy from the root, and the the idea though that of people that want to centrally plan. I mean, it's the central planners, mm-hmm. okay? Libertarians are, should be the first to recognize that central plans always go wrong, okay? Like, your central plan sucks. I don't care how smart you are, what your intentions are, what how noble of a person you are. Who's on your team. As soon as you start trying to plan Other people's lives in any way, okay, it's a disaster, right? I mean, can libertarians basically consider that to be an axiom? Yeah, I guess. Okay, so imagine the idea of these eugenicists that are, like, not only going to centrally plan, like, society – and their their culture and all of that stuff, but they take it a step further and feel they have a duty to actually shape the DNA of future generations. Mm-hmm. Okay, to centrally plan the characteristics that they want to see on humanity. You know, like genetically engineer um, the rest of humanity. Okay.
1: Well, I think that may be just the Nazis. Maybe the KKK. I'm not. The KKK believes some wild stuff, but. Well, no, no, this guy that is being
2: invited to a libertarian convention in Pennsylvania shares this view, okay? Okay, now, now, and I want to just read one thing, okay? Now, later he did a sort of a um, semi-disclaimer on this, Um, but it's really like, sorry, not sorry, I really meant it, okay? (laughs) What he says is... Specifically, we have a duty to implement legislation to prevent the births of persons with mental retardation, inheritable diseases, severe physical handicaps, and psychological disorders. In other words, we have a duty to implement through state legislation an official eugenics program. Okay? Now he in his in his uh later disclaimer he says now that he's a politician for libertarians he says no no i i really no i i i'm taking back the part about legislation but then goes on to say that there is nothing about the the goal itself uh that he disagrees with so i guess he's i don't know he's got another way of centrally planning humanity that he feels might be more effective than Using the the legislature.
1: Oh, Action <laughs> okay. T four. That's that's what I was looking for. Action T four. That was the uh, was the uh, post war designation program for the involuntary euthanasia in Nazi Germany, where they exterminated people who were uh, mentally retarded, uh, people with physical handicaps that couldn't work, or deemed incurably sick, or um, yeah. And they considered it a mercy or, or death.
2: psychological disorders. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's one of and I think there was another thing I read where he talks about you know wanting people to be attractive and you know and have the right psychological I you know uh, characteristics. And why did they hang out
1: with Cantwell? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm like, come on, come on! But so I understand why guys like this exist. He can exist by being outrageous and the more outrageous he is the more people freak out when he shows up yeah. okay great same with that uh, spencer dude look i'm going to i'm going we're going to go trigger those libertarian snowflakes yeah. ha 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 let's go make a scene blah 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 and let's see what we can see what kind of shit we can stir up
1: yeah and that whole okay? kind of met, that whole kind of tactics started <laughs> unintentionally from Ben Shapiro, who just wanted to go into colleges and and speak. And he's very abrasive and he's very straightforward. He he doesn't beat around the bush. He's very upfront. If he thinks you're an idiot, he's going to call you an idiot. And Milo was like, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to be just like that except not as smart and not as clever. (laughs) And just goes up and says like, oh, feminism is cancer. And Oh, we just need like here's the number for ICE. Report like any immigrations you see. Just, just, Just being as provocative as he can. Saying right. things that are yeah, and then everybody gets talking, and then he gets more popular, and they have big riots, and then you know his name blows up, and then you know the cycle continues, banging thirteen year olds. Right. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's none of my business. But that's yeah. none of my but, uh, business. <laughs> <laughs> but. So.
2: So the funny thing is so what so right so how do we how do we address them okay if they show up at our thing now all they want is to is for people to freak out okay they look like see we're here we triggered those libertarians ha 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 okay mm-hmm. so you got two choices you can ignore them okay but that, that that often might come across as accepting them yeah okay which is also completely unacceptable so, but I also don't want to feed into what they want, just the attention. Okay, so, so this guy coming to this thing in in Pennsylvania, I just basically I just canceled my ticket. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. I, I was listed as a speaker. I don't think I'm listed as a speaker anymore. So, <laughs> I just kind of separated myself. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to make a big stink about it necessarily. Um, one, because the the organizers, my friend. <laughs> He's just really screwed up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I don't know. You know, you know, should should a big stink be made that he's a featured speaker and and you know and try to try to rally yeah. people to to denounce him? It's like that's just what he wants. Like how boring. Anyway, I,
1: was, I think there's a way of doing it and doing it right. The way Jeffrey Tucker did it. Um, I don't think he was aiming to be like that. I think I think he had something else in mind. I think he was trying to speak to a broad audience, but it came out like screeching, like re, you know, <laughs> you know that whole kind of re meme. Uh, so it kind of came out like he was like a freaking out, like a like a social justice warrior, and that's that's a bad way of doing it, in my opinion. I think a better way of doing it is just. You know, contacting the the hotel staff and say like this guy is not invited. He's here to be a prov- provocateur. Look at what yeah. He's but doing what do you do here? when he is
2: invited? Here's yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah. This guy is invited. Yeah. Okay. He. <laughs> But I'm and just, because I'm I'm just saying. Because I returned my ticket, yeah. I'm no longer invited. Yeah. So he, I, he has all the standing. I have none anyway. So. Yeah,
1: I, I would, I would, well, I think the only point that I was getting here at is not to, just to go into the hotel lobby bar and screech because <laughs> that, that yeah. doesn't look good. And Richard Spencer kind of I – don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say he had the upper hand because he was invited and he was asked to leave by hotel management, not the conference people by hotel. They made that decision on their own. Uh, But at the same time, it did look kind of bad that he was down there screeching, which I love Jeffrey Tucker. And I understand why he did that, because the media was there. And all they had to do is go, look, here's our whipping boy right here. And he's at these conference of libertarians. How can we spin this to make libertarians look terrible? Yeah. I
2: mean, <laughs> oh, think about it. Don't libertarians? I mean, we, we have it hard enough. Yeah. We have it hard enough trying to defend libertarianism for what libertarianism actually is. Yeah. Do, do, how do you want to start a conversation explaining libertarianism by first going, but we're not all fascists? <laughs> now let me tell you what libertarianism <laughs> is. Okay, who who wants that? You know, added on to
1: to you know what they're trying to explain? No, thanks. No, thanks. I, I guess the best way you could start out was saying, like, just like socialists, not all of us are fascists. <laughs> then yeah, we're, really, in an we're really going to reach like, an
2: understanding now. We've really uh, got off. We're, we're really going to be – there's some clear thinking
1: going on. There is I mean, one thing us and socialists have in common. N- most of us aren't fascists. <laughs> if you start from that proposition, then the reporter's like – Oh, I can't do the story now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it is these guys, you know, let's face it, if these people didn't exist, the the the, the left critics would have to invent them. So hmm. whenever they see any of these guys, they are going to go out of their way to this is going to be the front page headline about the your libertarian conference. It's not going to be about the 99% libertarians that were there. It's going to be about the 1% ridiculous idiot fascist who had no business being there to begin with
1: mm-hmm. and so but they kind of thrive on that because they, they realize that people were calling people like Mitt Romney and John McCain uh, and all these people racist and there was no justification for this it's just that they had policy disagreements with them So the left have been calling anybody with an R after their name, and of course libertarians are just republicans who smoke weed, so they're clearly racist too. Everybody's racist, 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 racist. We're going to find anything that's racist and we're going to throw it at you and call you racist, sexist, homophobic, misogynist, whatever they can throw at you, they're going to throw at you. We've
2: got newsletters from 1972. Yeah,
1: that were (laughs) written by a (laughs) ghostwriter. Lou Rockwell. I, no, I think I think Michael actually figured out who it was. It was some other oh, guy. Oh, who is it? It was some other guy. Oh. I guess he I guess he's now he's kind of he's, he's a little bit, he's been a little bit more open fashy since then. Uh oh, okay. <laughs> but I guess he, he had like a he got mad at Michael Dean one day and sent him like a pretty nasty letter that included all kinds of racial slurs if I recall correctly. Anyways.
2: And you did a like a pattern analysis and yeah. it was the same as the <laughs> Ron Paul newsletters.
1: I think he even I think he admitted that he did it. Um. Anyways, he I uh, lost my train of thought here. Uh, oh yeah. So like you know they've been they, everybody all of us have been called racist so many times now that we're all kind of desensitized to it. Like when people call me racist now, I used to bend over backwards to show that I was not racist and say like, no, you know I have friends, I have black friends, I you know I I constantly work around all kinds of different ethnicities. Like that would that would not be <laughs> possible for me. I would not be able to function in this current life. Uh, if I was racist, but now I don't even care. It's like, you want to call me racist? I'm just like, OK, sure, whatever, because it's, it's gotten so desensitized and no one cares about it anymore. It's 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 not even it. It doesn't bother people anymore. They just kind of roll their eyes. Even people who are like, you know, way not racist will roll their eyes when they when they hear someone accuse other people being racist because it's been used so much. Right. So, so
2: now when an, when an ethno nationalist actually up. shows up.
1: And it's like, eh. yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> racist. Oh, this again. <laughs> We're going down this route again, and then, of course, but like, this well, time what they does he actually have a breeding
2: program and uh, a forced breeding program and, and sterilizations in mind. Okay, so
1: <laughs> yeah, now the left are like calling like Milo a white national, a white supremacist, and I'm like. This is just crazy. Like, I, I really don't like Milo. <laughs> but this is insane. This is not a valid criticism of the guy.
2: Well, and as he usually says, just just look at the dudes in my bedroom. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> how can you say I'm racist?
1: He's like, I had a little bit of black in me, actually, <laughs> last night. Right now. Yeah. yeah as we speak. <laughs> Anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> what
2: is but what is up with these libertarians that think this could possibly be a good idea? This guy, um, the the eugenicist, was also in, I think he was invited to Liberty Fest NYC. This he was he was a speaker there, mm-hmm. which is not known for having like anarchist presenters and whatnot, but it's usually pretty good, you know. Um, but why do why do libertarians sometimes I hear an argument that libertarians feel a need like well, listen, we want to debate them we we want to debate their yeah we 're going to bring them in, and uh, we 're going to debate them and show them they 're wrong okay
1: well, i 'm all for debating them. Open up a YouTube channel and debate them the the worst yeah, idea or, that you can do is bring them onto a, a huge platform like going to a large convention. Their conventions right. are or, really or go really to their small. convention. They're, yeah, but have you how seen many, their how many libertarians?
2: How many libertarians are getting invited to come do a talk on libertarianism at like a white nationalist event? Yeah, exactly. Right. They're not. not they're not looking. They're not looking to um, you know to to spread libertarianism in their circles.
1: Right. No. How, how about this? <laughs> Let's just take it out out of the fringes for a bit and say, how many Republicans did you see at the DNC giving a speech? What? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, half? I don't know. <laughs> the answer is zero. unless oh, okay. unless, that, unless that Republican is going to go up there and say very un-Republican things. Like, that's, I think they did the same thing at the Republican convention. Back when I was a status, I used to watch this stuff. But there was a, a, a Republican convention, like, in 2004. And there was a Democrat who was basically just a Republican. But he was still on the Democratic ticket because he's still trying to bring back the Dixiecrats. Like, Okay. And he gave a speech and was like, "Yeah, my Democratic colleagues are idiots." It's like, "No, actually, you're the uh, idiot for hanging around them." <laughs> like, what are you doing? But yeah, but the, the, if you if you yeah, they have they have their own conventions and they're very small. Nobody goes to them. Uh well, there's some, but if you did you see the uh the was it the National Policy Institute? I think that's what it's called. Their convention where everybody was throwing up the hail things.
2: Compare that the to hell, a, oh, the hail Trump.
1: Yeah, the hail Trump <laughs> salutes. Yeah, and then compare Creepy. that to like Jeffrey Tucker's speech at Freedom Fest, where you know it's a huge auditorium, <laughs> massive auditorium with lots of people in it. You know, you are right. debating Wayne Allen Root. Like the comparisons are. Wait,
2: Wayne Allen Root is yeah. still
1: around? What? Unfortunately, <laughs> I bumped into him and uh, Bob Barr, <laughs> and I was like, oh! I was, I was. I I should have got a picture. <laughs> with a little, were they <laughs> with were they, they with the day.
2: uh were were they w- with the Haitian delegation? Um <laughs> who is that guy that, that Bob Barr
1: works for now? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah, that former Haitian dictator. Remember? Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't know. This is, this is news to me.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm googling it while while you talk.
1: Yeah. Okay. The, yeah, here we go. Bob Bar was a reason why I originally left the LP. <laughs> I was like Wait a minute! You got rid of oh, what was her name, Mary Ruart. They she was, she was almost kind of considered to be like the winner. And then Bob Barr came on, and then everybody was like, "Oh no, Republicans are uh, they're going to kind of be oogly eyed over the fact that he's got some you know clout in Washington and could possibly get elected?" Yeah, right. Then <laughs> they're going to go for that, and they did. And uh, they set, oh,
2: they jumped on it, yeah. They, they jumped on that. They sent me some oh, this. Story. Is Jean Jean Claude Duvalier? Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know who I'm talking about? No,
2: baby doc, president of Haiti from 1971 until his overthrow in 1986. Seems um, good. yeah. So <laughs> that's that's who Bob Barr was working for last I knew. <laughs> I'm not making it up.
1: Uh, so a libertarian is working with socialist dictators. Nice. I love it. <laughs> well, you know,
2: I don't know if you remember, but um, <laughs> do you remember Ron, Ron Krikenberger? No. With the, with the Libertarian Party. Um, he's deceased now, but uh, like when I had first kind of heard of the LP, he was, a, he was a, an active voice, and they had a campaign to target the worst of the worst drug warriors in the country in Congress. Mm-hmm. And they they're like, why don't we instead of you know scattering our efforts, why don't we pick the worst congressman on the drug war? Just the worst one we can find, and we're all gonna pile on and kick his ass. Okay. So you know who they picked? Who? Bob Barr. They actually kicked his ass, and he lost the election. They jumped. They just, they just, they ran commercials like showing how cruel he was to to medical marijuana patients, or something like that. Like, and they were part of his downfall. So, and and then it was like
1: four years later, he's he's the spokesperson. (laughs) Yeah, this is ridiculous. (laughs) But that that they sent me some sort of like magazine or something. The LP did. And it said like we we picked our new nominee and you know we're gonna try to focus on getting Republicans in and I'm like, great. Oh, you sent me one of these um, of, you know the those little uh, envelopes they'll give you sometimes. It says like, oh, if you want to donate money, put a check in here and send it back to us, and the postage is free. So I put like a uh-huh. piece of letter in there, and I was like. I, pull my name from all of your crap. I don't want to be involved with it anymore. How the hell could you be, <laughs> Big Bob Barr, <laughs> of all people, <laughs> as to be your uh, presidential candidate? I want nothing to do with you. And sent it back. And right, uh, I but stopped you know, getting, I stopped getting messages from them. It was it was fantastic. Okay, yeah,
2: hey, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> you should have just put a put take. You what I do is I take a business reply envelope and I tape it to a brick and I put that <laughs> in the mailbox because they got to pay all the postage on that too.
1: Oh man! Is that? Do they really...
2: <laughs> I'm not saying you should do that to the LP. That's pretty mean spirited. I, I make fun of them, but yeah, do it to them too. Screw them. Do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, if if they nominate Will Cooley, I'll I'll refrain from gluing their things to bricks and mailing it to them. Uh, <laughs> well, so then. so will call, so yeah speaking of will
2: he's coming to Pennsylvania for this event that's uh featuring um the the eugenicist and when he heard when he heard the eugenicist was coming he evidently he had some uh words with the organizer steve and said you know I, I'm still willing to speak at this but I I get a chance to rebut I I want a chance to rebut um what the eugenicist says. So um now I think there's some kind of debate maybe on immigration or something that's gonna be Will Coley versus the 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 central planner of humanity. Um
1: <laughs> central okay, planner you know, genetics <laughs>
2: like, I don't know. It's probably not even gonna be a the kind of structured debate where one side can win, though will they'll just probably argue about different things and yeah. um Which you know brings up a real gripe I have, and I want to use this opportunity to spread the word to everyone hosting libertarian debates. Okay, you got to start with a resolution, and one side says they support it, and the other side says they don't. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have that to begin with, no one can win, and it can go on forever. And then and and then uh, because I saw this recently. Larkin Rose versus Victor Pross, oh. formerly anarchist artist. <laughs>
1: formerly, <Now>, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, this guy. Now, I, now I'm gonna, I'll get now into a he's... diatribe about Victor Pross, but go ahead.
2: Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, na- he's he still thinks he's an anarchist, but needs uh, national border enforcement. Okay, so
1: right. This but is, my this Western, culture. Shouldn't, is this, the Western culture. What is Western
2: culture? This debate <laughs> shouldn't have lasted more than about 10 minutes yeah. right like you could easily just you know if they had set up a parameter like you know are is border enforcement um compatible with the non aggression principle you know yes or no right mm-hmm. you could you could you could establish that in like minutes yeah. Instead, they went on, and then the shit talking on Facebook continued. Both sides patting themselves on the back for being correct and and destroying that idiot opponent. But in reality, is um, there was no resolution because they never because they started off wrong. Yeah. So, and good debate. Start your debate right and end it quick.
1: Yeah. Good debates usually start off with, "We have our opponent over here. He supports the resolution that." Uh, anarchists should not support a border wall And over here we have so and so Who thinks that, uh, that there should be A border wall and those are the resolution And he's going to be arguing on the affirmative And he's going to be arguing on the negative So let's begin with open statements That's how you do it And then you come to yeah, because Q, otherwise, e,
2: Otherwise halfway in you get one guy saying Well I never said there should be a border wall I'm yeah. just concerned <laughs> about my culture And I want to talk about I want to talk about you know yeah. What? Shut up Sorry, you know, like you don't even know what you're there to argue about, and then you're just going to weasel around. Like, it's just it's just boring content-wise. Yeah. So, so Victor Pross. Anyway.
1: are you familiar with who this guy is at all? Have you been? Well,
2: I've known him on Facebook for I don't know five years, maybe. He's okay. been around a long time, but I I'm, I can't say I'm like uh, personally uh, associated with him. He since had defriended me. Um,
1: oh yeah, I'm sure not you said for any something like arguments
2: or anything we had.
1: I'm sure you said something negative about Molyneux, and that was that was enough to get the block. Yep. <laughs> it, no, no, I, I survived all
2: of the Molyneux stuff. I had asked him questions trying to clarify his position in that in that quote unquote debate. Oh, okay. I just said, you know, I said, you know, you can, you know, the confusion. He was making fun of of uh, Larkin Rose. Uh, followers, you know, like mm-hmm. people that that support Larkin's position are his followers, not just people that are also anarchists. Yeah, by the way, I, but I, have to he, say, uh, like, I
1: have some criticisms of Larkin Rose. I'm not particularly a big fan of it. I know that you are, and that's fine. And my like, my criticism of his is not the same as criticism as like Jeff Berwick or someone I consider like a fraud or a scammer. He's not. He's. he's I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. I just. I just. Well, let's work on Victor him. first. Yeah. Then we'll get to Larkin. <laughs> but I was just. I was going to say. <laughs> But I support his position. I saw that debate and I was like, okay, I'm on. I I agree with Larkin Rose. So, am I a follower of Larkin Rose now? According to Victor Pross, uh, not really. I'm no, not, you're no. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway,
2: yeah. my my point was that Victor was expressing confusion. Why Larkin's followers don't understand what Victor's trying to say? Why are they so stupid? Why don't they understand me? And I said. Well, you know, to clear up the confusion, could you just break it down for us, okay? Exactly what do you want to have happen at the border? Just explain it to me physically. What do you think should be going on there, okay? Crickets, 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 crickets. (laughs) Just, no, what what exactly are you talking about? Crickets, crickets. I can't believe these people are so stupid. (laughs) Could you... But Could you explain it crickets, 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 you know, yeah,,
1: oh. so yeah, victor Pross, uh anarchist artist um he was like a huge Molynuvian guy, a huge, huge Molynuvian, like anything that molyneux said he he totally agreed with one hundred percent, and I had some like debates with him over like de-fooing and stuff like that, but never really win anywhere, like you know like whatever. Uh, and until it came to the point where the whole DMCA thing happened and he just wasn't having any of that. He couldn't, he couldn't believe for one second that Molyneux would dare violate the non-aggression principle. <laughs> and he, he blocked me and all this other stuff. And there was a person that, who I used to kind of work with, not really work with. It's probably the wrong word. But we used to kind of collaborate on, on, on information and stuff when we used to make fun of the Zeitgeist movement, Justin Templer. Uh, he uh, he went and he was like, "All right, so who is this Victor Pross person anyway?" Because uh, he just really wanted to know what, what he was about. And he started digging through some of his stuff and he was like, "Okay, so he didn't paint this painting. This painting was painted like 20 years prior <laughs> when Michael Jackson was still like super popular by this artist." And he, he there was a lot of his stuff that he was just flat out plagiarized. Um, he, he would post, like, these long...
2: Wait, he's, cl- he. are you saying he's showing, he displays paintings that are not his own as, yeah. And, yeah. as
1: his there own? Yeah, there was a specific... Remember, the one specific one that I... There's some that he has done, for sure. But there was specifically one that I remember that he pulled up. It was a Michael Jackson one, and he Google image searched it. And it came back to some other artist that painted it, like, 20 years before he was, you know, trying to make the rounds as a painter. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Whoa, And uh, one of the other – some of the other things he did a lot was he would take articles and like he'll take two articles, copy and paste the stuff that he likes from it and then post them into one article and kind of shuffle it so you couldn't tell. But Justin started figuring out like, okay, if I just Google search this sentence, I can find what these articles were and was actually showing – the original article, the two articles that he was ripping from, or the one article he was ripping from, and show like how he was like shuffling this, the, <laughs> the article to make it look original. Um, there was uh, there was times where he would show like like, like it, was, it would be like a picture of someone drawing. And, like you couldn't see the you know, the person, you just see the arm drawing a character at a party because he does character drawings at parties. That's that's his main gig, allegedly, uh-huh. and. He would Google image search that, and it would come back as some other caricature artist in, like, a different part of the country. And when he contacted him and said, hey, someone is using your picture <laughs> and saying that, it's you, uh, saying that it's him, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's Victor Pross. I know who he is. He's, he's been doing this for years. <laughs> he's been using our stuff for years. And it, it's just been, like, a constant. Aww. Yeah. And he, he said that he would be making a movie. I think he ran an Indiegogo campaign to make this uh, independent film about him. It was supposed to be released in 2012. There's no IMDb entry for it. It does not exist. It's never happened, and he 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 ditched his old account where he used to talk about it all the time, and that's it. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Doesn't talk about it anymore. Yeah. So he, he's I found a, he a drawing an of Michael fraud, Jackson. 100.
2: Yeah. I've got a Michael Jackson drawing. That it was a painting. Was autographed. Okay, oh. I'm okay, I did I I just did a Google image search for Michael Jackson Victor Prost to see if it w- would come up and I don't mm. see anything.
1: So, yeah, cuz he probably didn't. Anyway.
2: <laughs> well, um, yeah. Is it, you know, I you know, I'm not a collectivist, so I don't want to say all Ayn Rand people are are disreputable.
1: <laughs> the guy what? who went and for some him? reason,
2: for some reason guys like him always seem to have come from Ayn, the Ayn Rand school. <laughs>
1: But to be fair – I don't know why. To be fair to the Ayn Rand school, Justin Templer, who, who exposed him as a fraud, <laughs> is an objectivist. <laughs> so
2: All right. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm not blaming all objectivists <laughs> and, and painting them with that broad brush. But for some reason, it just seems like the most douchey members of the libertarian community end up coming – somehow they've been – they were objectivists. Yeah. I don't know –
1: it There's could a lot just of good be, ones, you know, so. my... Yeah, it's probably yours because the the few that I know are really, really good. I mean it was, like, Exomniverse, who used to be on YouTube. Uh, Aaron White used to be on YouTube as well. Aaron 0883. Um, Justin Templar, Yeah. Justin Templer is a minarchist now. He used to be a Rothbardian. Traitor. I know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, like uh, you know, like remember, for as for those with fixed principles, sometimes we are wrong.
1: Yep. (laughs) Sometimes you were right, and now you're wrong. Yeah. So, and and if if you're wrong, don't admit that you're wrong. Just say like, "Why is everybody so stupid that they can't understand my position?" And then never clarify. That's how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> Seems to work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And drink Budweiser. Man, that article was so weird. That's 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 so like I understand Jeffrey Tucker likes McDonald's and M&Ms and okay, yeah, subpar stuff that's cheap and Americans can get. I can no, I think that. this
2: is a parable. I think it was a parable. Okay. I don't I don't think he's I don't I don't think he actually drinks Budweiser. I think he was just trying to use this as as sort of a broad analogy about uh, libertarians that have lost their way yeah. and have succumbed to this these terrible terrible forces.
1: What, Budweiser, <laughs> 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 because Budweiser is really a bad starting point for 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 libertarians. Like not just not just saying the the flavor is bad. Like they're one of the companies that own like there's like. The, or is it InBev, which owns Anheuser Bush now, and Miller Coors? Like, those people own all the di- distribution chains. Like, they control what beer goes on the shelf. You cannot be a home brewer and then want to move into commercial beer, you know, the beer industry, without the express, like, blessing of these distributors. Like, they control everything. They even control, like, where your beer goes on each shelf at every store. <laughs> like, this is not... A good, good organization at well,
2: all. I, you know I guess I'd be more concerned about this this um, this abuse of their power if I had the slightest trouble getting any kind of beer I want at any time yeah. anywhere I go, so i don 't really feel like i 'm missing out but um, you know they they've got a there's a lot of reasons to be uh anti budweiser their mm-hmm. business practices you know probably are you know like any corporation full of um you know corporatism and cronyism and payoffs and yeah and that's the whole
1: whatever. alcohol distribution system in america <laughs> yeah it's totally uh, you know it's
2: well we 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 haven't really fully legalized alcohol yet yeah i mean it's only <laughs> it's it was only eighty three years ago that they legalized it we're we're going baby steps yeah um they just put. Uh, they just started selling wine in my local grocery store. So this is, you know, oh, just wow. the latest Blue baby step. Really like but that. we are moving towards to- towards freedom. Yeah. The, now the they Blue have to scan really your bad. driver's license and store it in a database. Wow. <laughs> and no matter how much
1: gray is in your beard, but <laughs>
2: wow. I can buy wine at the
1: grocery store. That yeah. is crazy. See, I came from California, and people think would would sometimes, like, come over or whatever and be like, oh, that's weird that California would have, like, some of these laws that you can't buy beer after two. But at least you could buy the beer at an AM, PM, or a gas station. And, you know, and if you come from another state like Utah that's like, wait a minute, they have beer in the grocery stores, and it's over 3%. This is insane. <laughs> How are people just not crashing into, into each other on the roads all over the <laughs> But then I come to Nevada, and it's like, you can buy anything, anywhere, anytime. Period. You just got to be 21. That's it. What kind of beer do
2: they have at the – do they serve at the Bunny Ranch?
1: Um, I didn't check out the beer. I had a gin and tonic because uh, it, really, okay. yeah, it was really hot out, and the kind of beer that you want for a really hot out is not the kind of beer I want to drink. So, uh, But I did notice that someone came in and had a Bud Light um, Mm. So I, I don't so, imagine so, you're going there for good drinks. You're going there for mm. the girls to get a good drink Yeah, of you. Mm.
2: <laughs> you know, if I was if I was Jeffrey Tucker and I was listening to this conversation, my biggest rebuttal and defense of Bud would be his the, one of the things he points out about the lower number of calories. And he could look at a bunch of fat libertarians and be like, you know, see you guys, you guys really need to cut down on the calories. Maybe maybe I'm right. Mm-hmm. so um so, I would say moderation is the key there, yeah, so um yes,
1: <laughs> well, you yes know what? There's... many
2: libertarians could deal with fewer beer calories, but you could accomplish the same thing by having fewer excellent beers than a larger number of terrible beers,
1: yeah, or you drink a few few of those beers and then you move on to spirits. Or you, you, there's there's also great wines if, if if you like if you like all the kind of flavors you get in beer you should probably check out some some even three buck chuck wines can actually kind of amaze you sometimes like I just, I just oh yeah I just had a five dollar bottle of Yellowtail it was a Yellowtail Shiraz and uh, Grenache I've never had a Grenache berry before and I was just like this is a five dollar bottle of wine you got to be kidding me <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> And I, I felt like snobby, but I didn't. I don't care. Like, and Jeffrey Tucker had wrote an, written an article about how like expensive wines aren't really as good as they say. A lot of that stuff's kind of in the mind. Uh, they did some like scientific studies and showed that like even the top wine experts of the country, if you blindfold them, they can't tell uh, a five buck chuck from a you know a hundred and twenty dollar bottle of wine often. They can Some
2: actually can't tell a red wine yeah. from a white wine. Yeah, when they put I mean, red it's that food extreme coloring. I've heard.
1: In. <laughs> they can't tell the difference.
2: No, but like blindfolded they won't they can't even necessarily tell you what color the wine is that yeah. you're drinking.
1: But they actually did one where they took the same wine, same white wine, they put red food coloring in one and then gave it to them and they were like, "Yes, yeah, this one you could definitely taste the tannins." <laughs> <laughs> It. It's red food coloring. It has no flavor.
2: <laughs> the power of yeah. suggestion is real, yes. though. I mean, yeah. if you, if you like, look at an apple before you bite it, you're going to taste an apple mm-hmm. probably before your senses have recorded the apple uh, aroma and flavor. So
1: yeah. It's kind of like that kind of test that I did when I was a kid in school where they blindfold you and you taste like a bunch of different types of fruit and you have no idea what you're picking up. And you're just like, what is this f- weird flavor? And you're like, oh, it's apple. Oh, now I taste it. <laughs> but at first you don't. Yeah, it's a trip. Yeah.
2: So taste anyway, it, it's a wonderful world of alcoholic beverages out there, and there's no need to, to slum. That's, yep. I think that's <laughs> my only real takeaway from that article. It's
1: like, okay. There's, um, there's good cheap craft beer, too. Sam Adams. Sam Adams. I'm sorry. I, I know a lot of people like to crap on him, but I don't. Uh, Sam, Sam Adams is an alt malt beer. They can get they can get pretty creative sometimes, but a lot of times they're on the bland well, side.
2: Well, I'm not allowed to criticize Sam Adams because they are a sponsor of the Beer and Bullshit Show. Okay, um, but yeah, I wouldn't drink the piss. No way. No,
1: I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, hell no. No, they have like some of their IPAs they come out with. I'm just like, you know what? For the price, you know, and I can get it at a gas station at four o'clock in the morning. It's it's a whole lot better than what's else on the shelf, which is.
2: You know, Sierra Bastards. Nevada, Sierra Nevada, Nevada yeah. Torpedo is is oh, my yeah, go-to yeah. if I need a large quantity of decent beer at a low price. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it in like 12 packs for like a buck a can. Mm-hmm. So,
1: Yep, I've always been amazed with, with that. that. That was kind of one of my first kind of craft beers. My first craft beer was Arrogant Bastard. And that was really kind of jumping into the deep end on that one. And I, I fell in love. <laughs> Everybody else nice. around me hated it. Nice. But yeah. I went from Newcastle thinking that was fancy to American <laughs> <laughs> Bastard and Kilt Lifter. <laughs> I was like... Right on. Yeah, so. well, Kilt it. Lifter. Yeah, Kilt I've had lifter. Kilt Lifter. Is that like Arizona beer? Where is that? I think so. Or maybe Utah. Yeah. I know Barron loves to drink the stuff, one of the other co-hosts.
2: We were drinking Kilt Lifter at... Um, Jackalope, oh really? Yeah. oh okay, yeah, it's hmm. like in the gas stations and stuff around around that area,
1: huh, that's probably why he's into it because <laughs> he's he's originally from Arizona, so okay, well, yeah, so and are, it you, is are good. you going this year by the way, to jack fest
2: I do not have that on my schedule, oh. um unfortunately are you are, are are you going and did you build your pizza oven yet?
1: No, 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 no. Just haven't just haven't been an opportunity. I've been I put everything on the back burner except for my podcasts, so I can learn how to program, and then even still I don't have time to do that. <laughs> like I I really cut out everything. I cut out Libertarians Against Humanity, I've cut out uh Liberty in the Pub, I cut out all that stuff. Still don't matter. Hmm. Don't have the time to do it. All right. Yeah. So but I, I've been still. I still make pizza, I and mean, they're still come out fantastic. Cool. But I really would like to have a wood oven. That'd be. That would be my dream. What Hashtag about please um, donate? What about
2: uh, <laughs> wh- why don't you come? Why don't you bring it to Pork Fest?
1: Uh, the the what? Bring what?
2: Bring your pizza oven to Pork Fest. Well, I don't have. There, there's a. The they have a, have, a have
1: a pizza oven. <laughs> Hashtag oh. please donate. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. But you're going to it's going to be like a mobile. It, well, no, I forget. Um, I guess we had talked about a mobile like a mobile yeah. pizza kitchen. The, but, the idea um, that
1: I wanted to have was I could either buy one that was already pre-made and put it on a trailer or get one that's already built on a trailer or build get it buy a trailer and build one on the trailer and then hit, put it on a trailer hitch and then take it out there. Uh, and I could also take it elsewhere too, and you know pizza pizza is a real real fast, real easy, cheap thing to do if you've got a wood oven. It only takes ninety seconds to cook a pizza in a wood oven it's it 's super fast, you know maybe a little bit longer if you've got a lot of stuff on it but yeah um but in my in my conventional oven it 's going to take about you know five minutes <laughs> no hmm. I no I got it up to like seven yeah uh, down to seven rather so
2: did you know that I used to work in a pizza shop? Oh you did? Did I ever tell you Was it
1: a, yeah kind of wood that oven was, style or
2: uh no, it was just traditional gas oven, um six hundred degrees or whatnot. And uh I worked for this I worked for a guy that had come to the country illegally in the seventies from Sicily. Mm-hmm. He had a about a fourth grade education in Sicily. Okay. So um he but he he managed to come here. Got a social security number somehow that he used to get a business loan to buy the pizza shop. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I, I meet him a couple decades later, and he's got it's he at several stores. Kids are all driving fancy SUVs, living in the expensive nice. part of the of Philly suburbs, like living the dream. But a flaming, horrible, horrible person. Okay. Just horrible, (laughs) misogynist, drunk guy was drunk all the time, drank cases of beer throughout the day. We had just stacks of beer in the pizza shop, and somebody said, Can I get what? It was also Budweiser, no coincidence, (laughs) but he would drink like multiple, multiple cases in in a day just for just constantly drinking. And then if he wanted to get drunk, like with the guys at the barbershop next door, he'd have to go to the liquor. Okay. <laughs> but this guy, he would say anytime a woman walked by the glass, he had all kinds of things to say about her and what he should be doing to her, et cetera. Horrible guy. But he gave me, but it was cash. I was working under the table, all you could eat. Um It was, it was kind of a cool job, but, uh He's probably dead now. He smoked 5 <laughs> packs of Winston's a day.
1: Wow. <laughs> and two cases of beer. Right. Yeah. Wow. And,
2: and but uh
1: you know but he he you know, for idol. his faults, he cre- he
2: created <laughs> First of all, his pizza was awesome, okay? Uh, I bet. His pizza was <laughs> was fantastic, okay? Cuz when you're a giant asshole, you got to have something else working for you. Yeah. And in this case it was his pizza. We did he did a great job with it. But Sure, he'd stir the sauce with his, like, hairy arm, but whatever, you know.
1: <laughs>
2: whatever. There couldn't be that much hair got in the sauce.
1: It's the follicles that really bring out the essence of the, the Italian tomatoes, really do. <laughs> the oils from the skin really bring out that kind of crisp from the basil, I'm telling
0: you.
2: Anyway, but I became a pizza snob, so I'm yeah. still – I consider myself a bit of a pizza snob. Yeah. And have very low tolerance for poor quality pizza. Yeah.
1: Speaking of low quality pizza, I ended up having to fulfill my obligation of eating crappy pizza. That's – I don't know if you saw that post that I made on Facebook today <laughs> where I was <laughs> where I was unhappily displaying my uh, Papa John's pizza. What,
2: Ooh. What happened?
1: What, so – I bet I can't remember what I what my side of the bet was on, but I bet with um, Marshall Beaupre, which I'm trying to cat get out of here. I'm trying to get him to uh, do like some like some soundboarding on a couple of episodes. That'll be fun because he he likes to do soundboarding. Cat get out of here. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I had a he was saying like I was saying like no Hillary Clinton's going to win. This is she already has it in the bag. Why were you we even talking about this? He's like, I bet you, you you could eat a Papa John pizza, you know, if if Trump wins. I was like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. And he won. <laughs> I've been putting it off and putting uh-huh. it off. And I was like, <clears throat> and I got this uh, this T-Mobile app on my phone that if you uh, if you have it every Tuesday, they will offer you like all kinds of free stuff. And one of the things they offered this week was free large pizza at Papa John's. I was like, hey, I better suck it up. <laughs> at least I'm not having to pay for it out of pocket. <laughs> so, wow. And I put bacon on it, and I had it well done, and it was, it was edible. It was edible. I'm trying to re- – I know
2: I've had it, in the. I tried it, but I'm trying to remember the last time I was subjected to it. It was probably one of those things where you're like, you're at some event or something, and it's like – the question becomes: It's either that or nothing, and you need to go for it. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, sometimes don't.
1: Sometimes it has. Sometimes How was it? It was edible. I mean, at
2: least it wasn't Little Caesars.
1: Now, see, here's the thing with Little Caesars. I, I am not a fan of Little Caesars. Five dollars it's not worth it. It's really not worth it. But their deep dish, it, it sort of is worth it. And it's not the best thing ever, but when it's it's eight bucks and you know it's two meals, whatever. But when they have their little specialty things that come around every once in a while, those things are usually always surprise me. I'm usually kind of caught off guard. They had one where they had – it was a a pizza, but it had bacon around the rim. It was a deep dish. So there was bacon on the inside of the rim, uh, and then there was a whole bunch of bacon on top. And it was – the bacon overpowered just everything bad about the pizza, and it was amazing. Okay, great. The other thing, they just came out with it called the Smokehouse Pizza, which was like – which is like a pizza that's got – um like pulled pork, uh brisket and applewood smoked bacon uh and the barbecue sauce is the sauce to the pizza and there's like barbecue rub around the rim. And I was like this can't be that great. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I was like I went back and got another one like the next day.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. But
1: yeah, well, at least but yeah, you're willing yeah, to Caesar's... give them a
2: chance too. Yeah. You're willing to you're willing to 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 let them try their you know, their are uh, special offerings.
1: Well, see, I only do that if I know I'm going to get drunk, and I could <laughs> I get Little that, Caesars you know, to get drunk. So. It
2: kind of reminds me of the the like the Taco Bell like taco that's made out of a to- Dorito. Like yeah. Didn't they do something like that? Yeah, like, they still have it's it. a they're it's popular. a Dorito. <laughs> what? Is that popular? And they're
1: good. <laughs> they're really good. <laughs> I was to say, what the fuck?
2: Probably is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now they have a taco that's made out of a piece of chicken. Like the taco shell is just a, like a slab of chicken, like a like a deep fried chicken thing. And then they put lettuce and sauce in the middle, and tomatoes and cheese. It's amazing.
2: So it's like a it's like a paleo taco,
1: yeah, except the chicken's breaded. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. So it's still Popeyes fried. Had their 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 waffle chicken. It was. They put it in waffle batter and then fried it. I don't. I don't know what kind of crazy scientists all these people are hiring, but man, they are. They're doing some fantastic work in the realm of fast food.
2: <laughs> Wouldn't you love to see all the things that never made it out of the design stage? You know, where they're like oh. early testing. They're like, yeah, oh, that we're gonna, all goes
1: to Domino's. They all go. We're to gonna Domino's. take a
2: ham and we're gonna roll it in cookie dough batter. You know, like. <laughs>
1: No, I th- I'm pretty convinced all that's all the rejected ideas, like Domino's buy buys those ideas for like pennies on the dollar. <laughs> a, so like, so if you have one of
2: these great ideas, like who <laughs> who's the first person you market it to? You've you've just figured out something great. You go to like like maybe like Tyson Frozen Foods with this, or who's who's gonna be the big the big buyer if you get your your, your big the best buyer client.
1: Po- probably gonna be Yum brands, so like Pepsi KFC, uh, what's the other one they own? Taco Bell. You go to them first. If, it, it'll, if it'll fit their markets. If not, go to uh, McDonald's, Burger King. Okay. Um, and then work your way down from there. So you have Jack in the Box underneath that, Wendy's. Uh, probably, I don't know, Wendy's is national, so you want, probably want to go to them. Uh, White Castle's right It If I
2: it did invent, let's yeah. just say, the the chocolate chip dough covered ham. <laughs> And I and I thought this was going to be great. Deep fried. How could I present that to Taco <laughs> Bell without them just stealing my idea and and cutting me out?
1: Uh that's a good question. Oh, you probably make them sign an NDA before you do it. <laughs> like I have this wonderful idea, to sign this NDA. <laughs> yeah,
2: just yeah. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how that industry works. But wouldn't it be fun to sit around and try to dream up these ridiculous food things and see, see which ones yeah. fly?
1: The, 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 here you go. A churro made out of cookie dough. It's still like soft Why cookie not? dough in the middle. Yeah. And you, no, you just sell them on the streets outside of a Taco Bell. And maybe one of them will come out and be like... That's amazing. Let me call corporate. <laughs> I think that's probably how it works. Yeah, like yeah. like they can
2: operate a phone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is this? It's called a landline. I don't know what that is. <laughs> can I just use my cell phone? Or can I text them? <laughs> uh, all right, oh, so man. all right. Do you have anything you want to plug? So I guess you're not talking. <laughs> at the I got.
2: Yeah, it looks like I'm not. So uh, (laughs) although we will be uh, presumably still operating our Montgomery County hospitality suite, which is basically the party suite during the convention. So um, we're going to have a no eugenesis policy (laughs) at the the after party, at least. So that's good. Yeah.
1: I think that's a that's a good so, starter rule. Like, but before we figure out what the rules of you know who could be allowed in this party, let's just set a little framework here. Obvious, you know, no no KKK, no Nazis, no uh, no fascists, no eugenicists, uh, and no literally Hitler if he rises from the dead. Can we just at least agree on that one? Okay, or let's now, just start
2: with look. Uh, if, if you want to centrally no plan the human race down to the molecular level, you're not welcome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just, you know, I'm, i I got to have some kind of standards, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I want to be inclusive. I don't, you know, but I'm going to draw the line there.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's great talking to you. Glad to have you on the show. We need to get you on. Great more. being
2: with you, especially on Fiend Phone. Awesome. I
1: know. Hopefully this thing works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I haven't tested it yet.
1: <laughs> if not, we'll re-record the show tomorrow. No, I, I tested it, but just not on Fiend Phone. It's just going to be the same thing. But Anyways. Uh, I'm going to say it. I don't care. Worms. 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 I'm at the point now where I'm just like, (laughs) I don't care anymore. (laughs) I'm just going to say it naturally anyway. So, yeah. Worms. Tired of dealing with governments? Wish there was a better way of not getting busted committing victimless crimes? Tired of having to listen to your parole officer? Never again with the BIPCOT NoGov Human License Wristband. This wristband has a NoGov patented NoGov hologram technologies that work on your aura chakras to fungus sway vibrational energy something something to woo state agents off of your trail. It's like they can't even see you. The best part is it actually works. Doesn't actually work. It's so easy to use. Just put it on your wrist or within three inches of your quantum sacred geometry spirit energy and commit all of the victimless crimes you want and totally get away with all of them. And by all, we mean none. And with the fancy Lulberts podcast logo on the side, you'll be the life of Porkfest. And all of this could be yours for 4 dollars plus $2 shipping and handling. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA, FTC, or any other three letters. This product is not intended to prevent, defend, or protect you from any legal actions from the state. This product contains chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer and birth defects or other reproductive harm. Move to New Hampshire, Nevada, or anywhere else that isn't a shithole and you'll probably be fine. These bands are total bullshit. They don't actually work. If this needs to be said to you, you should probably drink bleach. This is just a neat-looking merchandise that can start an interesting conversation with yet-to-be libertarians.
0: Order today at lulberts.com. Are you sick of government lackeys who say you didn't build that? Are you tired of elitists like Barack Obama and Al Gore taking credit for the web while trying to take over the web? Are you disgusted by experts whose concept of the internet is that it's a series of tubes? Take back the free market of computing by encouraging software developers to adopt the Bipcot NoGov license. The Bipcot NoGov license allows any use or modification except by governments. Go to BIPCOT.org. That's Bravo, India, Papa, Charlie, Oscar, Tango, For some reason, in, in this country, and most of the Western world, it's okay to just dodge. Hey, this is Michael Dean from the Freedom Fiends Radio Show. Computer programmer Derek Slopey and I have created Fiend Phone. I'm using Fiend Phone right now to talk with and record one of my co-hosts in real time. Take it, Davi.
2: Hey, this is Davi Barker, and I'm a thousand miles
0: away from Michael, but we sound like we're in the same room. We sure do, Davi. So, Davi, please tell the nice people more about Fiendphone. Fiendphone is free, no-gov software that opens up a global
2: world of possibilities for collaborative, high-quality, remote voice media production, and I'm digging it.
0: People can try Fiendphone right now at Fiendphone.com. But we're also raising money to vastly improve Fiendphone and vastly improve independent talk media worldwide.
2: So go to Fiendphone.com to help out. Who will build the audio roads? We will, with your help.
0: That's fiendphone.com, F-E-E-N-P-H-O-N-E.com. Foxtrot, Echo, Echo, November, phone.com. Fiendphone, I never knew remote audio could be this good.